to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack. And today joining us is Danny Newbury. He is the founder and president of Vale Commercial Group. And prior to starting VCG, he built Value Investment Group into an integrated and a successful firm. He's acquired more than 50 properties since inception in 2008, acquiring assets in more than a dozen states. So Danny, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I am doing excellent. Thanks for having me on. Danny, can you give us a little bit more of an insight into your background and how you got started with real estate? Yeah, absolutely. So really, my background goes back to college. When I went my first year, I took all the fun classes. And year two, they told me I had to get serious and really start picking where my destination was within college. And I just never really enjoyed a whole lot of uh, traditional schooling. And so I happened to do a real estate course over the summer which I immediately gravitated towards and ended up buying my first apartment building that summer. It essentially was a bank-owned vacant sixplex, bought it for about 155000 fixed it up, filled it up in about four or five months. And then it appraised for about over 300000 And I said to myself, why would I go back to college for a degree I don't have to make less money than I just made on my first real estate deal? So I felt like this is the route I'm going to take. Ended up uh, quitting school and just started buying tons of apartments between Utah, Las Vegas, Oklahoma, and then ultimately transitioned when the apartment market got really hot into true commercial assets, uh, shopping centers, industrial buildings, medical buildings, pad site redevelopment, etc. So you bought your first sixplex when you were in college? Yeah, I think I was like 19 or 20 or something. And I just uh, struck a chord, felt like I really loved it. I was able to borrow all the money from my best friend's dad, who was a hard money lender at 8%. So I figured out how to get into deals with no money. Obviously, it was expensive money at the time. And today, it would be not considered that crazy, considering hard money is a lot more typically. But at the time, you know, I was like, oh, this is amazing. Like I can do deals and I can figure out how to structure loans. And then I started really getting into seller financing and pref equity and lots of creative financing where we could get into these projects, especially when you're starting out, you don't necessarily have a lot of cash, but you've got a lot of creativity. It goes a long way in the industry. So how did you find the sixplex when you first looked for it? And what gave you the confidence to buy a first sixplex being a college student? You know, I well, really what it was is when I did that real estate course, they were saying like, hey, it's all about how many units you have. And so like when I saw the sixplex and it was bank owned, I was like, oh, this is what they're talking about. Find something that's distressed, something I can fix up, fill up create the value and then refinance my cash out of it and then cash flow the asset for the long term. And so at the time, living not probably a mile or two from the sixplex, so I knew the area really well, knew that I could fill it up. I knew what market rate rents were and the cash flow made sense. And at the end of the day, because it was my first property, 
and I was in college, I was able to move into the property and take one of the units and live rent free and still have a positive cash flow. So I was like, yeah, this is a win win for sure. And then, uh, you know, um, I think it was that I had connections to, you know, some people with cash that helped, obviously, because I knew, hey, if I find the right opportunity, they'd be willing to lend on it. And so I just slowly started like reaching out to friends and family and letting them know, hey, I'm looking for deals and I'm looking for hard money. I'm looking for just ways that I could really start building my network within that community. And then timing was good for me because it was like 2010. And as everyone knows, that was really kind of the low point from the uh, Great Recession. So it worked out in my favor and I didn't really even know it at the time. Would you say that college course gave you the foundations to be able to analyze and take a look at the sixplex and recognize that it was a good deal? So that course was actually not part of college. It was a total separate thing. And someone had recommended it to me. And I said, gosh, you know, I need to figure something out this summer. Otherwise, I am going back to college. And so I was pretty motivated to figure something out. At the end of the day, it was great. It was the greatest thing that ever happened uh, for me personally, because I really do have a passion for real estate. I love the industry. And yeah, I was able to, I was able to obviously not have to go back to college, which I didn't want to do. <laughs> One of the things that holds a lot of people back is the lack of capital or looking at their finances and recognizing that, hey, I can't afford or I don't have the means to be able to purchase real estate, let alone a sixplex. When you approached your best friend's father for hard money loan, how did that conversation come about? And what were some of the different ways that you were able to communicate to get your point across, especially being so young in the industry, being your first deal, and to really be taken seriously as a buyer and knowing what you were getting yourself into. Yeah, absolutely. So he had already owned lots of small apartment complexes in the area. And he knew that I found a great deal and I locked it up. And so I, probably in his mind, he was like, hey, worst case scenario is actually best case for him, because if I defaulted, he knew he was going to end up with a great opportunity. And so I think he looked at it like didn't take him long to say yes to the deal. And I just, you know, I had a lot of energy. I was willing to do whatever it took. I told him my business plan. I put together all the numbers. I showed him how it would work. And he was like, it was actually a pretty easy conversation once I showed him what the plan of action was, where the capital was going to go, because he bought it for 155 He borrowed me an extra 30000 on top of that for improvements. And I told him like, hey, here's how I'm going to fix all the units up. I'm going to do new countertops, new appliances, new flooring, paint the outside of the building, seal coat and stripe the parking lot put up a fence in the backyards. And so when I told him that 30,000 would get me that, he's like, yeah, no problem. He had a first position lean against the property and it just worked out well. And I was able to perform on exactly what I said I was going to do. So after that first deal, after you closed it, what did you do next to get into your next couple of deals to start building up that business and start the ball rolling? Yeah. So uh, at the time, there was a lot of bank-owned stuff. So that's what I was primarily going after was uh, bank-owned properties because I knew I could get them at a discount. I knew that I now had lenders that could give me hard money very quickly if I found the right opportunity. So that's what I started doing. I started underwriting a lot of opportunities and ultimately ended up buying a bunch of fourplexes. And then at that point, I decided 
I want to go to a market that's really, really had been hit hard. And naturally, it made the most sense for me to go to Las Vegas because that's I lived only a couple hours away. So I ended up moving to Las Vegas and started buying around the Strip and other areas of Vegas, got to about 50 units. And then I'm like, all right, I really want to start scaling because I owned a lot of properties, but there were a lot of fourplexes mostly and, you know, a couple like that sixplex and I got a tenplex and I was like, all right, now it's time to step it up where I can afford management on site. And then I bought a 48 unit apartment building. Then I bought a 138 unit apartment building. And that's just kind of the progression of it. So definitely started small, bought a bunch of those, scaled into you know some larger stuff. And then ultimately, when I started transitioning too into true commercial assets where you could get triple net leases, because I had an investor of mine that he would invest with me, but he owned a bunch of commercial buildings, um, office and retail and industrial. And I said one day, I said, why don't you buy multifamily you know, on your own? He goes, oh, I don't want to work that hard. And I go, what? What do you mean? What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, no, I, uh, I travel too much. I don't want to deal with the headaches of releasing and management and this and that. He goes, I just buy these shopping centers or industrial buildings and they have five year leases plus and you don't have to worry about it. You got good quality tenants and credit. They don't come up with excuses every month of why they can't pay or this or that. And so that kind of opened up my box of uh, saying, I need to look into this more and really started to go after true triple net properties. And honestly, I've never gone back since. So when you were starting off in the beginning, you were utilizing primarily hard money lenders. At what point did you start bringing other investors and partners into your business? Soon as I started getting into larger properties. So the first deal I did, I did a syndication on it was my 48 unit apartment building that I bought. And then from there, that's when I really started to scale into investors and syndications and larger properties, bigger price points. When you'd made the decision to start bringing investors into your opportunities, how did you start building out that investor base? Mostly friends and family. So a lot of my friends and family had seen what I had done in a very short amount of time, bought all these small apartment buildings between two different states and create equity. And so, yeah, when I started trying to raise capital on a larger apartment community, I the pitch was easier because it's like, hey, I have experience. And collectively, I actually own more units spread out, which is harder to manage. So this is going to be a lot easier because we can bring on management. We can have a full-time maintenance person. There's like a dozen down units that I already know how to turn these around and fix them up, backfill them. And so like the pitch was pretty easy from that standpoint. And there was definitely upside to be made. So that was really it. Just going to friends and family. And then that just started to trickle into more people talking, right? And, you know, say, hey, my friend is interested in coming in. Okay, yeah, have them call, et cetera, you know. And then I started joining a lot of, or I started going to a lot of different seminars, conferences, and joined a mastermind group. And I was able to meet, you know, lots of folks at those events as well, where they were looking to get into these type of projects. So just started slowly kind of building on itself and the momentum just kept going. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. 
If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. When you moved into from multifamily and you went into more of the triple net leases and commercial properties, did you maintain any of your multifamily and your like fourplexes and the smaller properties as you got into commercial, into the more of the commercial triple net lease asset class? Or did you make a 100% pivot into there? What did that kind of look like for you? So I started selling off the smaller properties because a lot of them were actually a pretty class C projects and they didn't necessarily cash flow as good as I wanted them to. And so I I was like, look, you know, there's equity in all these and I wanted cash flow. And so I started to slowly sell off these fourplexes because I felt like at least with the larger apartments, like it was easier to manage because again, you had a manager on site, you have maintenance on site, everything's kind of under one umbrella versus when you have fourplexes spread out through all of Las Vegas and you have a manager, like they can't be there every day to see what's going on. And some of these properties could get beat up pretty quick. And so I just realized, yeah, it's not the business I really wanted to be in. I didn't mind the larger apartment complexes, but at the same time, They were still work and they were in class C areas and neighborhoods. So they weren't the easiest to manage. And I did my first commercial deal and I was hooked. I was just like, this was amazing. I literally, I remember my first deal was a medical office building that was 50% vacant, got seller financing. So a little money down and we got to like 80% occupancy in less than a year. And I mean, just those leases alone created well over a million dollars in equity. And so I flipped it on month like 13 for, you know, like one and a quarter mil profit. And I was just kind of like, that was really fun. And I really liked all the tenants I was working with, dentists and orthodontists and, and State Farm came in and a chiropractor and just so like much more professional tenants and they'd all sign long term leases and I just really, really enjoyed it. And so after that, I was like, everyone was chasing multifamily at that point. And I'm like, why am I going to go chase an asset class that everyone else is chasing? And I'm getting outbid all the time. But that didn't seem to be the case in these commercial properties. There was still lots of opportunity. And so I decided to make the pivot and get into different types of, I wanted to learn different types of commercial. So I didn't just do medical office. I then bought a shopping center. I then bought an industrial building. I then got some pad site stuff and yeah, just started kind of slowly immersing myself in different asset classes and in different areas of the country because I felt like, hey, I don't want to be pigeon held to one asset class in one area. You know, if things change, I want to be able to pivot and I want to be able to go where the deal that makes the most sense and has the most upside is located and I can work on it. That's the way I kind of built the company was that, hey, we want to be able to pivot. We want to be able to go where the deal's at. And now these days, we just have boots on the ground in so many places that we can make quick decisions. And um, yeah, we can buy in a lot of different markets and a lot of different asset classes, which makes it really nice because 
we can go after the opportunities that have the most upside. When you're evaluating like from a multifamily space property and then going into triple net leases, medical offices, and things like that, what were some of the different tools that you were able to utilize as you were analyzing this different asset class? And were a lot of the things that you were analyzing within multifamily transferable into the triple net leases? Yeah, it's definitely a different language going from, you know, single family, multifamily to true commercial. So there was a pivot. It took a while to really make that full pivot and understand. But, you know, really, it's a numbers game, right? At the end of the day, it's just like anything else. Like, here's a retail center with, call it 30% vacancy. Market rate rent is, call it, you know, 12 bucks a foot triple net. Well, if I fill this 30% and you divide that at, call it just an eight cap, here's the value that I can create if I can bring the tenants in. And then from there, you say, oh, well, that's a lot of meat on the bone. Number one, reach out to local brokers and leasing agents that, hey, look, I've got this shopping center I'm interested in. I'm seeing, from what I can tell, rates on the immediate area are 12 bucks a foot. Can you verify this? Yes. And you know, you're know, you probably going to have to throw in some tenant improvement dollars, call it 10 or 20 bucks a foot. So then you kind of start to put together your performa based on talking to local knowledgeable people. And then you bring in, you build a team around that deal that'll help get it to the finish line. It's like, if you can do that and you can really figure out, hey, what's going to make my building more attractive than everybody else's? That's what we would do. So like every deal, we would fix it up, you know, redo the facade and the, you know, redo the parking lot and the landscaping and put in a new monument sign and fix up whatever needed to be fixed up. So it didn't look like a, you know, old beat up center. It looked a newly, freshly renovated property that's going to have street appeal to it, people are going to start to notice it, right? And so that's how we'd go about it. We'd build that local team. We'd fix up the property. We'd offer good tenant improvement dollars. We would do whatever it took to really make our deal stand out within the the neighborhoods and to get them stabilized and filled up. What was the best way that you found to start building up that deal flow? Really just reaching out to lots and lots of brokers. And at the time, you know, there were still bank deals. So talking to local banks and letting them know what we were doing and what we were buying and, hey, we can perform. And here's a couple of the projects that we've done in the area. So those type of things helped a lot. And then you just start getting on a bunch of brokers lists of projects that were coming out for sale. And, you know, you just really folk like for us, it was always value add, motivated seller, reduced pricing. Those type of words would kind of trigger me to look at the deal more in depth, right? When I get, call it a hundred deals a day in my inbox of different deals that came up for sale, that's what I was looking for, right? That's really kind of how we built up at first. And then we started finding projects off market, going direct to seller and building relationships with owners and over time getting deals that way, which has been great as well. It's always about having irons in the fire. Like today, we do a lot of joint ventures as well. If someone's got a great deal, but they don't have the means to take it down themselves We do. We have the team, you know, we've got the resources. And so we'll partner up with people if it's a really great deal. So when you're looking at different opportunities, you mentioned also retail centers and shopping centers as well. How are those markets performing like today? And are you still focused in those types of assets? Or are you also focused in more of the industrial and other types of places? 
Yeah, so where we're getting the most traction and where I think we have the best competitive advantage is small bay industrial. So typically units that are between like 1,500 square feet to 10,000 square feet, multi-tenant small bay type stuff. So we love that. We love doing those kind of projects as well as neighborhood shopping centers. Again, small bay retail. Say we haven't done like power centers and large industrial complexes, but yeah, we just know that our skill for leasing these properties up is definitely the small bay industrial and retail. That's where we're putting, I would say, a majority of our attention and focus on what we're acquiring and continuing to acquire. In terms of like location of where you're looking for properties, what makes that particular property attractive to what you are trying to do? We find a lot of upside in those type of projects. So like on the retail side, a lot of times what we're finding is are actually even in the uh, small bay is that you've got owners that have owned these projects for a long time and call it, you know, they may be at like, I'll give you an example, like they could be at like five to 10 bucks a foot gross rents. And we know that the market's 12 bucks triple net. And if we fix up the property and do some capital improvements and we do the right type of leasing and offer the right type of build outs and clean up the property, that we can achieve those rents and we can really add a lot of NOI to the overall deal, which in turn will add you know a lot of equity to the project. So yeah, that's where we're again focusing and putting you know our attention in continuing to build out the portfolio, those type of assets. Not to say that we can't do a really uh, value-add multifamily project or medical building or whatnot, because we totally can. We just haven't seen the, you know, right now offices really getting hit hard, especially in the CBD. And so, you know, we're not necessarily jumping into those at that asset class right now heavy, although we do think there is opportunity in it. It's just, it's not going to be turning around anytime soon, I think. So, With that, we are looking at, you know, maybe in the future when people start coming back into the office, that could start to get a lot more interesting where you could turn around and stabilize a project quicker. But right now, I think there's a lot more hurt ahead than, uh, you know, you'd be battling uphill versus riding the wave. So uh, we're not quite there yet. But yeah, that's definitely something we're open to all kinds of projects. And if there's enough demand and enough juice enough upside, then, you know, we'll look at anything. So Danny, how has real estate investing impacted your life? I mean, lots of ways, you know, it's been a great ride, been enjoying it a lot. We've built a great team. We have a great office. We're here in the Vale Valley. We got a ski in, ski out office. We work hard, but we play hard. You know, it's a great lifestyle. It's a lot of fun. There's always uh, new projects and lots of fun things that within the business that we get to constantly grow and become better. And so that's kind of the whole thing. It's like we're passionate about what we do. We love it. We're having fun. Not every deal is easy. So you just got to work through it. And if you work through it, you're going to get through it. And But if uh, if you give up and you're not passionate about it, you know, you don't wake up excited to get out there and try it again, it's going to be tough. But yeah, definitely finding your passion, having the right team around you and just pushing through when hard times come. So Danny, where can our listeners find out more about what you are doing? They could go to veilcommercialgroup.com. 
That's our website, which has our portfolio, what we're doing, what we're looking for. If anyone's ever interested in um, doing a joint venture or some sort of partnership and they've got a great deal, you know, we're always interested in stuff like that. Um, and they can email me directly at Danny, D-A-N-N-Y at veilcommercialgroup.com. Danny, thank you so much for all of your time today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Zayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.